The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hello, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me. Today we're speaking about running with mindfulness. Our guest is William Pullen, a London-based psychotherapist, runner, the founder of Dynamic Running Therapy, and the author of a new and really interesting book, Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression. Have you ever finally agreed to walk with a friend and shared in a way that just seemed to make life a little easier? Have you ever been so anxious that the only thing you could do was put on sneakers and go for a walk or take a run and actually came back feeling better? If so, then you have a glimpse of what William Pullen is going to build upon as he combines mindfulness, self-reflection, and being in nature with movement. Speaking to us all the way from the UK, William Pullen, I want to thank you and welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you very much, Suzanne. It's nice to be here. So let's start out by defining running with mindfulness. What do you mean when you, that's the title of your book. Well, I don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with mindfulness, but it's really just mindfulness on the move. Many people have tried mindfulness meditation, sitting down. This is just on the move, and the book includes mindful walking as well, programs for that. Mindfulness is really the practice of becoming present to the moment in front of you, what we therapists call the here and now, and um, and prioritizing that over all of the thoughts that we often have as our mind drifts around the future, the past, anxieties, etc. It's just so what you do in order to anchor yourself in the present is you focus on um, sensory in- stimuli. So it could be your breathing, it could be uh, uh, the, the the wind on your face as you run. You could be counting trees. You could be it could be smells. It could be anything, but you're really just trying to plant yourself in the present moment. So in the present moment, in a very feeling way, not just in terms of non-judgmentally watching your thoughts um, evolve, but being physiologically present. Yes, indeed. Exactly that. So, so using, using that as an anchor... Uh, so that we can get out of our mind. I think what happens is that we become fixated in the mind and we forget that there's a whole other world out there. So this is a, a tool for getting you back into a place which is uh, really quite uh, restorative and healing, actually. Um, the body, the environment, out in, out in the green spaces, it's just so good for you. So now how is... Running with mindfulness, William, a part of dynamic running therapy. 
Okay, so the book has uh, programs for mindful running and mindful walking, as I've just described to you. But it also has um, specific programs for people with depression, anxiety, anger, relationship issues, decision-making, things like that. And um, the way I use it uh, is that I, I run with my clients, and, and, and the book shows you how you can run with the questions. So let's say you've got depression. You turn to the depression chapter. You'll read all about depression. And each day you will run with a different question. You can do several at the same time. I mean several questions several times. Or you can skip a question. It doesn't really matter. And you can keep on doing it as long as you like. Um, but each day you're going to run and you're going to sort of hold that question. Um, and each question is designed to get you a little bit closer to your experience and to ask you to examine not just what that experience is, in other words, what your relationship with depression and your relationship with your partner is or at work with your boss, but also how do you feel about that? How do you feel about um, feeling depressed? Do you have shame? How, what do you do with the shame? Do you isolate? So constantly sort of turning it over until we keep on coming back to an emotional relationship you have with unpleasant feelings. And we believe that when you have a better relationship with those feelings, um, uh, the symptoms will be muchly reduced. Now, what I want our listeners to know, and you, you really just hinted at it, is that the book is really very interactive. So that just as William is saying, if you were not running with a therapist, it literally, depending on whether you're dealing with anxiety or decision making or dealing with a relationship, it really invites some guide with guided questions, some prompting or priming, as you call it, William, to take with you on your walk or your run. And so that this book really is a, it's a kind of um, book, a self-help book that really, really gives you movement with intention. Maybe we can mention the three steps that are they're very clearly laid out in the book, William. Um, indeed. Uh, which three steps are you talking about? Talking about starting out by grounding, checking in with yourself and the environment, uh, priming yourself with that, with a question. Oh, I see. The first three steps of the grounding process. Okay. So we start out by grounding, and, and as I've read it, I began to think of what William was saying, which is um, maybe sitting for a minute and taking stock of where your body is, how your body feels, a kind of body scan, then looking a bit at your environment, the type of day it is, and then taking into account, and this one really rang true for me, which is the emotional scan. And that is how I'm feeling as I'm setting out. And I think this is true of walking or running. But sometimes I'm very aware that I, can't, I really need this run because I'm very feeling very dysregulated or I'm feeling like I have to liter literally emotionally catch my breath. And I think that's where you really head into this movement um, with the idea that it could really help you. Yeah, you know, um, that third step, it's very much about, the emotional scan is very much about, about acknowledgement. You know, I was just saying back a minute ago about how um, the change comes about by our relationship with, with pain and discomfort. One of the ways that we don't have a good relationship is through a lack of true acknowledgement. So perhaps we're sitting there, we're about to have a run, and I know I don't really want to run. I know I don't really want to confront what's painful and, and what I feel right now, but I've bought this book and I feel obliged to, and I said I would. Um, and so I, I can end up running um, uh, reluctantly without really going into or, or acknowledging that, hang on a second, Actually, there's, there's part of me that doesn't want to do this, but there is part of me that does want to do this. And, and can I reconcile the two so that when I set off, um, I set off in, in, uh, with my intentions, 
aligned with my actions. I know what it is that I want from this moment. Um, and I'm present to the truth of who I am in this moment. I'm present to the ambivalence of what I feel. So often I think that we really struggle to hold on to the truth of what's happening inside of us. We, we spend our lives, I think, I mean, I guess this would be a good question for you, actually. Do you think that you, at, at times, you're inclined to either fix or avoid unpleasant feelings? We certainly Certainly. And and what and what do you think that does? I mean, do you think that's in the long term? Do you think that's an effective strategy? Well, actually, no, because I think it's a quick fix, William. And I think very often we've not really allowed ourselves the invitation that I give to myself, as well as those you know who really compliment me by working with me. That we really want to see why is it back. Why is that need perfection back? Why is nothing seem quite right? Why is it always the next hurdle? And so it's an invitation to really do a kind of almost self-analysis. We say the goal yeah. really of psychotherapy or any kind of treatment is to put ourselves out of business, to hand over and pass forward, you know, these skills. And I think that this really does that as it combines the running or the walking. Yeah. Um, You know, for me, my story goes back to how I I developed this from my own personal experience of of exactly that. Well, I knew already that that avoidance didn't work. Uh, And uh, I suppose about 11, 12 years ago, I was uh, I was in a dark place in my life and um, and. And eager to get out of it, uh, a, a real crisis. I was isolating. I was depressed. More than that, I was, I was anyway. I was in a pickle, and so I decided to take up everything that I could to get out of it. I went into psychotherapy, I, uh, and I took up running. And what I noticed with the running was that something different happened with the running than with the psychotherapy. Um, when I went into psychotherapy in a session, I would talk about my feelings, but. When they came out, there was too much space in there in a way. I felt too observed and the stories were structured. My sentences were very sort of structured. Whereas when I was running, I started running with a friend of mine and together we would talk about our lives and the crisis we were confronting. And what I noticed the difference there was, was that somehow the running helped the story come up. It, it, it was a sort of creative act that not only, I suppose running has a sort of from A to B. So when you're telling a story, it has an, uh, a from A to B. When you're getting into the narrative, the mythology of your own feelings, it has an A to B. And so you're aligning yourself. You're not sort of ch- chopping off bits and pieces. You get stuck into it somehow and it flows. Does that make sense? Yes. I think that so often also, when we think about how we suffer, it has to do with regulation and regulation of anxiety, regulation of despair, um, regulation of, of many things. And also we always know, I do a lot of trauma work and almost all of us have had some trauma. We always say the body keeps score. So it makes sense that as we would move, some things would come up that might have never come up. People oftentimes, now you say you had a running partner. People have often said, thank goodness for my friend who rings my doorbell. And once we started the walk by the second mile or even halfway through the first, people are surprised at what they share. There is something about the freedom that people feel outside and moving that really often... Um, frees them to find the words. We say it's all about finding the words. And I love one of the things you suggest people to do, which is to find certain words that could be their mantra. And I think that really mm. does unfold. It really does unfold um, when people are walking. What was your mantra, William? Uh, one step at a time. <laughs> okay, one so step my- at a time. I knew that... If I kept on putting uh, one foot after the other, uh, because, you know, when you're depressed, um, things feel insurmountable. The, the, 
the challenge ahead of you sounds feels too large, uh, and on top of that, your your power feels too low. So it's a it's a you know it's a lose lose. Um, but I knew in my head, in my heart of hearts, I knew that if I could just keep on moving and get one foot in front of the other, the progress that I made out there in, in, in this park here in central London, I knew the sense of progress, the sense of achievement, the sense of commitment to getting ahead, to addressing what was happening. I knew that that would pay dividends one way or another, and I would get myself out of where I was. So. Yeah, that, that became mine, and, and, and it remains my mantra to this day. And, you know, I, unbelievably, because at that point in my life, I was uh, the drug user and smoker and God knows. And uh, if you told me that I would one day, not long after that, run a, a marathon, I would have absolutely laughed at you. But indeed, I did. And, wow. and that is really what putting one foot in front of another is. You, it's just amazing where you can get to the moon if you've got enough time. Well, I I love hearing that, and I love your mantra. I want to tell our listeners, the book is filled with wonderful quotes. One of my favorites, William, is Joseph Campbell's quote that you put in, if the path before you is clear, you're probably on someone else's. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a massive. Sorry, go on. It's just a great one. Um, I will tell you that the mantra I have used and I share with everyone I work with is instead of going with anxiety, go with curiosity. And even when you're headed out to the walk or the run or the bike, um, it's worth letting it just come and being curious about what will come. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with William Pullen. He's the author of Running with Mindfulness and the founder of Dynamic Running Therapy. We're going to talk more about the power of healing and when it's combined with movement. We're going to talk about how to find a partner if you're going to do walking. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with co-hosts Thomas Rosenberg and Ronnie Langer-Kroger. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as we speak with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Hello, I'm Suzanne Phillips. It's Psych Up Live, and we're with William Pullen, psychotherapist from the UK. He's the author of Running with Mindfulness and founder of Dynamic Running Therapy and the app of the same name, Dynamic Running Therapy. And we're just, we were speaking about running with someone or walking with someone. That's something that um, William Pullen does with some of his patients. And I mentioned to him that so many folks I know are walking or running with a partner. And in his book, and this is why it's so interactive and there's so many guidelines, he gives some guidelines for the partner and for choosing the partner. William, maybe we can share a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that uh, there's a lot to be gained uh, doing it with somebody else. Um, having said that, you know, I wrote the book so that people can feel confident that they can do it by themselves as well. Um, in terms of doing it with somebody else, I really, I, I lay out clear guidelines, both in terms of the kind of person and the kind of things you want to be concerned about in choosing that person, and then um, how to actually conduct it between the two of you. But fundamentally, it's the issues uh, in terms of running with another person are everything from what do we do when I can't run and you still want to run? What do we do about timing? What, do I, what happens if you want a 30-minute session and I only want a 50 and I want a 50 minute session. What do I do if you're a man and I'm a woman and I'm going to talk about sensitive issues? What do I do if we're running in a neighborhood where I might be recognized or so all sorts of questions around safety, around fairness. Um, and most of it is just common sense. You know, you just go through a list and tick it off. Yes. But I think for some people it's better to, to choose somebody that you don't know that well, you know, um, and then other people will prefer to be with somebody they know really well. Um, yeah. One thing that you said that I think is worth mentioning is uh, William describes and gives the partners permission to just be good listeners. That is sometimes if someone's talking about a relationship or should they leave a job or what they should do with their youngster. Perhaps the best of partners are those people who could be good listeners but don't have brilliant answers or feel compelled to persuade their partner to go or do whatever. It's about listening with empathy and listening with interest, and that's amazingly reinforcing to people and it usually gets their own problem solving going so I wanted to be sure that we offered that as a one of the suggestions you actually write about yes uh, for sure you know it, it, um, it's actually not as hard as we think it is to, uh, to listen well uh, people really struggle with it but there are, there are techniques uh, to be better at it um, but I think that what I try to say to people, because I think they're quite anxious about the thought of running with somebody else. What do I do when that person starts crying? What do I do when it sounds like they're asking me for answers? What do I do when, and as I lay out in the book, the answer is nothing. You're never doing anything. You are merely listening to them. You are staying with them. You're being present. You can empathize with the ahas and that sort of thing. But at no point is it your role to interpret what you're hearing, nor is it your role to offer comfort. Um, you're not in an appropriate position to offer comfort. That's not why you're both there. You're both there to share a journey. And when you are running and it's your turn and you're telling your story, you won't want them sort of, putting an arm around you, um, you'll want to carry on and tell your story. And you won't want them feeding back advice for what you should do. You'll want to carry on telling your story. Um, so, yeah, 
I think that if people can hold on to that, uh, which is a pretty easy strategy to hold on to, uh, the rest will take care of itself. Yes, and what we are trained to, to know as therapists, and we'll pass this on, is you, you approach the next walk or run or session without expectation. Wherever that partner is at that moment, even if they never want to pick up who they should have for Thanksgiving as a dilemma, um, you go with them wherever they are. Now, the other thing that I think is you're going to find interesting in William's book is the final step, and this, I guess, could be done when you're doing walking or running alone, um, and that is you speak of ending your run, walk, vacuuming, or whatever movement you're doing with a moment of reflection where you actually might jot down where you arrived emotionally and in terms of your thoughts. Is that correct? Um, that's uh, correct in terms of, you'll see in the book at, after each question, there's an area there in case you've got the book with you or in your car after your run to make notes of what came up for you in that run. And I think that moment right after you've run is a really powerful one or, or you know, within an hour or two is still a really powerful one. Even if you've only managed to walk, as long as you push yourself a little bit. Um, and, you know, you don't have to sort of you know, take the question and then start turning it upside down in your head. You hold on to it quite lightly in your hand and you let the running help you investigate it. And then you let the writing, and I'm a huge fan of journaling, and you mentioned, mentioned Joseph Campbell before. I'm, I'm a big fan of Joseph Campbell and, and mythology and how we tell stories and how writing helps us interpret who we are and where we're going, where we've been. Uh, so, yeah. And then you'll know in the book there's also the final synopsis, which is the uh, the note-taking you're going to take when you think you're at the end of your DRT journey for depression or whatever it may be, when you think you've made significant progress and 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 are ready to sort of just take it on your own and, and, and put down the DRT for a while. At that point, you're going to write what I call the final synopsis, which is a ritual. It's a very important moment dedicated to yourself where you're going to talk about your life, you're going to write about it, where you've been, where you are, and where you're heading. And, and it's really a reflection on, on your DRT journey. What, what happened when you started running? What did you learn about yourself? Um, and how do, how do things feel different today? How's your relationship with yourself different today? Sometimes, and, and um, it's one of the things I think you mentioned, it's been my experience you start out in one place and you end up completely different. And even if it's just that you jot down those feelings or thoughts that you never expected to come to, I think people get very intimidated about needing this to be done like homework, but it's really just meant to capture that feeling. There was a time when one of my, my sons was quite ill, and if I went running, one of the things I would find, William, is... All of a sudden, I was standing still. I had stopped running. And they were always the times when I had begun to worry. And literally, when I started worrying, I stopped running. So it mm. became for me an interesting gauge of what was I carrying with me? And hey, how, <laughs> how many times did you stop? And did you stop that day? And so I think people are going to, if you observe yourself, it's that self-reflection and then you're able to jot it down, as you're suggesting, William, you start to be able to tell yourself the story about yourself. At one point, you say that this dynamic running therapy, William, is really a way of developing a relationship with yourself, and I really do think that's the gift. Uh, agreed. Agreed. I'm, I, I like the sound of, of, of your running, and... and that you understood that's what was happening. You took the time to understand that. And that's what I mean about creating that improved relationship with yourself. It's, it's noticing, it's acknowledging, it's, it's taking the time to go, oh, yeah, okay, well, I, I, I am interested in why that happened. And, and let me take a moment with it. But, yeah, I, 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 I think it's so important, as you say, uh, to find, you mentioned earlier on, it's about finding the words. And I've had this with my clients, I'm sure you have, where, you know, they've told you the same story many, many times. And then suddenly 
they tell you the same story this time, but something changes because one word is different. Um, the, well, some words resonate differently, subtly differently. Um, I was worried. I was scared. I was, you know, it all depends on, on uh, and some words can feel verboten. You know, for, for a man, um, fear is quite a, a forbidden thing. We're supposed to be manly. So to admit that you're scared or to admit that you have cowardly feelings is a big deal if you're a man, you know. And so, uh, you know, when you're in, in, in therapy or indeed what I'm trying to get to for, for your listeners is when people are writing their notes after the session is to find that word just as it happens in your head. If you were feeling something uh, and you felt like a coward, then write that word down. There's nothing wrong with feeling like a coward. It feels a bit uncomfortable. Um, but there's nothing wrong with cowardly feelings. There's nothing wrong with fear. There's nothing wrong with anger. They're all appropriate. They become a lot less appropriate when we have a problem with them. Um, it's just it's just relating to them well. Does, does that make sense? Yes. I, I think that um, it opens up possibilities of understanding and also, as you say, giving and allowing freedom of feeling. Now, that brings me to, in the book, you will see that um, William has set up the application of this technique for anxiety, for depletion with daily stress, for dealing with anger. And one of the interesting things that sort of immediately jumped out of me when I read um, your section on anxiety is when people say, and all of us have had this feeling, I'm anxious, but I don't know why. And I, I wanted to ask you, how do you think this movement with mindfulness, be it walking or be it running, could help someone if they really didn't know why they were anxious? Um, well, you know, I, I first start because there are a bunch of questions in the book that are going to help you focus in on how your anxiety uh, manifests in your life, what it is that triggers it how you relate to it, et cetera. So, so there's a strategy there for it. But I think, I think there's an added benefit, particularly for both anxiety and depression. Um, and, and this may not be true for everybody, but I think it's true for a majority of people, which is that the getting out and the healthy practice of running, particularly if you decide that you want to get a little bit fit, um, then the sense of accomplishment is quite empowering. And I think that empowerment is a, is a great way of providing it's a steady growth of empowerment. I think it's a, it's a great way to address anxiety. I think anxiety has a lot to do with um, fear of competency around the unknown, what will happen if um, I, I can't know this and therefore I, I worry about it. Well, if I feel strong and confident in my life, then I'm strong even with the unknown. Um, that sounds a little simplistic, but I, I, I think that if you were to extrapolate that out, I think you'd find uh, that, uh, that it makes sense. Well, I actually think people talk to me all the time about feeling if they made it down the block and back rather than being unable to budge, they do feel a sense of accomplishment. And if they yeah. then made it half a mile and many people are wearing Fitbits and counting steps and it's been really wonderful because that gives them feedback. If we can't move mountains but we can at least walk for 5,000 steps, it's big because in, in, in really changing and healing, small is big. Absolutely. Absolutely. You put that very well. Now, thank you. Now, one of the other things that you mention is, I found it uh, sort of humorous, running backward. And I wondered what you meant by that. I have a feeling it's very important. What did you mean by running backward? Well, um, running backward is a chapter to help you uh, when things are not moving forward. Uh, in fact, they're moving backwards because, you know, um, when we uh, are in transition, when we're growing, when we're pushing ourselves toward growth, we can feel uh, moments of, um, of 
fantastic um, progress, only to not long afterwards uh, then feel as though all is lost. And it was an illusion, the progress we felt. We're back uh, with a depression that somehow feels even worse because we allowed ourselves to believe that we were capable of getting ourselves out of it. And alas, here we are once more. We failed at this too. We failed at DRT. So this is for people who are having moments like that. And the chapter helps you understand the various ways. It explains that, you know, often it's two steps forward and one step back or three forward, two back or three forward, four back. You know, it's a slow moving forward process with, uh, with ups and downs and, and how to sort of reassure yourself through that process. Okay. We're going to take a brief break. You're listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with William Pullen, psychotherapist from the UK and the author of an interactive and very interesting new book, Running with Mindfulness. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. If you're considering adoption, there are a lot of questions that you may have which need to be answered by families that have adopted, by the adoptees themselves, and by professionals. Tune in to Adoption Unscripted with your host, Micah Johnson. We bring you many of the answers you're looking for. There are so many resources and advocates in the field of adoption. It's a life-changing experience across the board. We hope you'll tune in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Bullock. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment, and community for the aftermath emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking about running with mindfulness with William Pullen, the author of Running with Mindfulness. Um, One of the things that William Pullen offers in conjunction with his new book is an app called Dynamic Running Therapy. And I know our listeners are going to want to know where they can get your book, but also tell us a little bit about this app. Okay. Uh, I'll talk about uh, the app first and then where they can get the book. 
Uh, indeed, it's called dynamic running therapy. Uh, you can find it um, uh, in uh, at the uh, Apple Store uh, in in uh, iTunes. Um, you, uh, it's free, which is fantastic. Um, and at the moment, there is uh, quite a lot of what's in the book is on the app. So, mindful walking, mindful running, uh, running with depression, running with anxiety, um, soon to come running with relationships. Um, there's a meditation or two exercise on there, uh, guided meditation. Uh, the, 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 the running is, the mindful running is guided as well. So it's a 20-minute guided run where I talk you through it, um, which is good when you're getting started. I think uh, ultimately it's probably best to do it without it so that you can just be present to what's happening. But as I said, it is about sound. It is about the senses. So listening to something is, is still keeping it pretty present. Uh, in terms of uh, why you would get the book and not the app, um, I think that it's all about what you prefer. You know, um, It's two very different processes. Um, it's, it's about whether you prefer books or apps. I guess whether you prefer recordings or the written word. Um, in the app, there is um, the facility of recording your voice. So one has you're going to be writing your your, your words down, your your thoughts, um, your answers to the questions you'll write in the book at the end of the session. Um, on the app, uh, you'll be listening to my voice. You'll be listening to me talking about each question, uh, and then. When uh, you're running, if you want to answer the question uh, and, and remember what you're saying, then you can hit the microphone icon on the front of the screen, and that'll record your voice. So you've got word, you've got recorded files um, uh, of uh, of your journey, um, and then you write those down later on. In terms of where you can get the book, uh, all good bookstores, and um, of course Amazon. Uh, Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, one of the things I asked William at the break was whether or not athletes who are having trouble with performance anxiety ever use um, mind, dynamic running therapy and running with mindfulness. And you mentioned you thought it would be something that could help them. Yeah, I mean... I do say that to people. I don't treat um, athletes. I'm not a sports psychologist or, or anything like that. I'm a regular psychotherapist. Um, but I do believe, and I've had it fed back to me, and there is evidence that mindful running can improve your performance. And one of the ways it does that, of course, is that mindfulness asks you to be present to the here and now and to get out of your head and into your body and into the environment. And so... When you have, as a runner, when you're having those thoughts, anxious thoughts about being good enough, anxious thoughts about how fit you are, anxious about whatever it may be, um, mindfulness teaches you that each time you have the thought, that's okay, acknowledge it, let it go, come back to the breath. Within a minute, within a second, you may well go back to it. If you're really anxious, oh God, I'm back to worrying about that. That's okay. Acknowledge it. It happens. Come back to the breath. The breath is always there. Just keep on coming back to the breath. And your first couple of runs, it, it, you, you may not get them done particularly well, but give it time, and uh, and you'll find that uh, you'll be more and more with your breath, breath and less and less in your mind. Mm, it sounds like a, a very good option for uh, performance athletes in terms of dealing with anxiety. In terms of... Well, uh, if- if I can just say the, the, the other pieces, of course, um, and this is for non-athletes too, when you're out running, I think quite often we feel as though we're, we want to quit, right? We're tired, we're, whatever it may be, we decide we want to quit. Or there's something more important to happen, we tell ourselves, oh, I've got to do it. What I do is I try to tell people, listen, if you're doing mindful running, ask yourself, where's that? message coming from? Is it coming from your mind or is it coming from your body? And quite often when people say, oh, it's coming from my mind, you say, well, your mind doesn't decide how tired you are. Your body does. Um, Come back into your body and see whether your body actually wants to quit. 
And quite often in the moment that they disengage the mind and go back to the body, the body reassures them and says, no, I'm fine. It's, it's the mind that's been uh, telling you you can't do this. Together we're going to be okay. That's terrific. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Because it really is thinking and worrying that starts to deplete us on the walk or the run. Yes, that's- it is. Yes, it is. I mean, in, in our whole life, right? I mean... We are, we, are, we become as much as we believe we can. Our thoughts dictate everything, you know. Well, the, um, Elijah Goldstein, who was on our show speaking about mindfulness, one very interesting thing he shared with us is much of what we, that throws us is really opinion, like, I'm not good enough, I'm the worst in the class, I'll never get the raise. And then he invites people to stop and say, is this fact or opinion? And have we fact-checked this yet? A little bit like mm. what you say about, is it the body or the mind? It's just pausing to sort of take control again for your benefit. Now, one thing that I mentioned also in the break that I, that I really liked in um, the chapter on running backwards is your idea of people making a, a map with guideposts to remind them of things that really had always helped them. I wouldn't yeah, you know, in in uh, in that depressed period, I was talking to you before. I told you I I, I set up all these things: running, uh, psychotherapy, yoga. I had a long list because I knew that I wanted to get out of the the, the horrible place I was in, and that there was so much fear in there that uh, that I made. I started to make long lists of just about anything I could do to take myself out of a fearful moment and into a, a different kind of moment. And so it could be things like crosswords. It could be reminding myself I would make lists of what I was good at, what people liked about me. Because, you know, I'm sure you've found this with your clients that when, when we're depressed, we can just lose sight of everything. <laughs> we can forget that we got a PhD. We can forget that you know, we once did this, we once did that, and we can come to believe that we're absolutely useless and always have been and always will be. And that, as you were just saying about facts and, and fiction, um, that's just not a fact. That's a fear. Yes, well said. And often all the time I'm reminding people, are you the person who plays the guitar Weren't you someone who loved mysteries? And it's, it's almost like when we are in a dark place, we can't access the brighter moments. And sometimes having someone with you does it. But your idea of listing it as you had done in your dark place is a very good one. And it's the kind of thing you can almost prime yourself to think about on the run. And if you end up in another place in your head, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, these, these techniques, it, it's, it's all about learning techniques to, to, to be able to, to, to see more clearly and think more clearly and, and recognize that I, I do this a lot um, with my clients. Um, I, get, I get them to try to recognize certain thoughts and I do this in the book too where I tell people to write down those repetitive thoughts so they can come to recognize them when they're happening uh, and see that that's a condition it's a disease depression is a mental health disease Um, and if you can start to recognize how it works you can recognize the, the lies that it tells you you recognize how it tells you when it tells you then you can go, ah, oh, there it is. And what do I need to remind myself when I have that thought? You know, um, how do I remind myself that I'm not this thing, this person, this kind of person, this person that can't do anything? Well, let me remind myself of what I can do um, and, and, and make sure that's what I do when I have that thought. Um, and I think that, that, that really does help. It's a, sort of, it's a sort of logical mind trick cognitive um, hack to, uh, to get yourself away from that just purely uh, destructive and negative thinking. It fits in with what we're talking often about, which is the power of self-compassion to self and being the kind, compassionate voice to self. 
Yes, I mean, compassion is so important. I, gentleness is, is what I tell my clients over and over again. I say, you know, whatever you're going through, just notice the tone of your internal dialogue. dialogue. And if it's not gentle, make it gentle, because there's nothing good comes out of a harsh internal dialogue. Practice self-compassion. Uh, in, in that way, we, we cultivate the most fantastic thing of all, which is self-acceptance. But we just can't do it when we set our expectations too high. We have to be gentle. And then we find we can accept ourselves warts and all. Mm-hmm. Now, if I were to say, what would be the take-home message that you would share with our listeners? What would you like to share with Hmm. Well, uh, it doesn't matter how uh, miserable you feel, how lost you feel, how confused you feel, how unfit you feel, how incapable you feel, how disempowered you feel. Um, If you get moving, whatever it may be, walking or running, um, and just start getting going and put, as I said before, one foot in front of the other, it is amazing how far you will get. And you will, in the end, you will walk or run your way out of your problems. Um, That would be my message. It's a wonderful message. And I'm hoping all of our listeners, whether you walk alone or run alone or, or do something that helps you move in some way, William has really given us a terrific message today. I want to thank you coming to us all the way from the UK. I think your book, Running with Mindfulness and the app, they're really wonderful tools and strategies for enhancing mental health. Uh, Thank you for them. I know a lot of people will benefit from them. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this show and any prior show as a podcast on my host site, on the podcast app of iPhones, iTunes, Sketcher, Voice America, and many podcast sites. Remember to drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Thank you again, William Pullen, for being our guest today. And until next week... My pleasure. Thank you. Same here. Until next week, please take care, keep moving, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week.